This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the usual political follies take a back seat today to the tragedy in Miami-Dade, where a condo collapsed. The mayor of Surfside says the building literally pancaked, and Charles Burkett calls it a horrific catastrophe. We've got 134 units in that building, I understand, and literally half of that building is not there anymore. So we're working hard. The, uh, there's not a lot that Little Surfside can do except ring the alarm bell. And we rang the alarm bell, and Mayor Cava sent the cavalry, as did the governor. Emergency crews from across Miami-Dade County converged on the site, and the governor went to see for himself. And the TV doesn't do it justice. I mean, it is really, really uh, traumatic to see uh, the collapse of, of a massive structure like that. It's going to be a while before they figure out exactly why this happened. Before the governor flew to Miami-Dade, he held a press conference in Tampa to sign bills rebooting the state's vocational education and training systems. He says that makes a lot more sense for some people when compared to the price of a university degree. And you have some of these students that are saddled with tens of thousands of dollars in debt, sometimes a hundred plus thousand dollars, and then they have a degree in like zombie studies or something. <laughs> 150,000 Floridians receiving federal unemployment benefits during the pandemic are being cut off early. The governor is taking Florida out of the program 10 weeks early, which means those $300 weekly checks from the feds will end as of tomorrow. You're going to be left without that, that meager support, that below minimum wage support that's not even paid for by this state. And it's going to get ripped out from under them. They're going to lose their mortgages. They're going to lose their cars. They're going to lose everything. Part-time Florida man Donald Trump is returning to the Sunshine State on July 3rd for his first Florida rally since the election. There will be fireworks, both figuratively and literally. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida woman with a bad case of road rage and a gun. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, June 25th. This is Global Beatles Day, the International Day of the Seafarer, and National Take Your Dog to Work Day. On this date back in 1868, Florida was readmitted to the U.S. during Civil War Reconstruction. In 1876, the 7th Cavalry under General George Armstrong Custer was wiped out by the Sioux and Cheyenne Warriors, led by Crazy Horse and Sitting Bull at the Battle of Little Bighorn, also known as Custer's Last Stand. In 1950, the Korean War began when the North invaded the South. And one year ago today, the Dixie Chicks changed their name to The Chicks to remove any connection with Confederate history. First responders in Miami-Dade are still searching the rubble that used to be a residential condo in the town of Surfside. Governor Ron DeSantis toured the site Thursday to get a first-hand look at the ruins. But I just want to give credit to the search and fire department, the first responders, Miami-Dade County. They were on that scene before we knew whether there'd be more collapse. We didn't know whether the building uh, had any structural integrity, and they were shepherding people to safety. Uh, and they absolutely save people's lives. And so we really appreciate uh, all that they have done and that they're continuing to do. I uh, had an opportunity to meet uh, with Mayor Kava and her team, uh, as well as the mayor of Surfside. And we just toured uh, around the complex to be able to see, and the TV doesn't do it justice. I mean, it is really, really uh, traumatic to see uh, the collapse of, of a massive structure like that. Uh, right now, uh, we have the fire rescue. They are in search and rescue mode. They are uh, trying to identify survivors. I know they have made contact um, uh, with some, and they are, they are doing everything they can to save lives. And that is ongoing, 
and they're not going to rest. And so thank for what they're doing. Uh, we were just over there, got to thank some of the, some of the folks who just had to change a shift, uh, but they've really stepped up. Uh, we're also uh, making sure that the people that have been displaced uh, have a place to go, uh, but we are happy to report uh, that through the help of the Red Cross, we have short-term uh, hotels uh, set up for these folks. And then obviously we're gonna work with the city and the county, state, uh, to make sure that there's uh, any longer-term needs that, that we can be helpful in any way we can. Uh, this is not necessarily gonna be immediate in terms of what ended up happening, but I know that they are gonna have engineers looking at this uh, to, to try to identify what, what happened and what was the problematic uh, uh, occurrence. And so that, that probably, you're not gonna have those answers immediately, but I know that they are diligently gonna be working to be able to do that. And so uh, it's, a, uh, it's a tragic day. Uh, some of those folks uh, who were able to, to go from safety, we, we thank the, the fire and rescue for what they did to be able to put themselves on the line to help other folks. They're still hard at work. Uh, we still have hope to be able uh, to identify um, additional survivors. And uh, the state of Florida, we're offering any assistance that we can. We've done some with the Florida Department of Transportation. Uh, Miami-Dade's got a great team, and so they've got a lot of, of resources that they're bringing to bear. But we're standing by to help in any way we can. The Miami-Dade search and rescue team has been sent to disasters all across the world. But Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava says this time the tragedy hit home. So this is the incredible, unimaginable situation that none of us could have predicted, but we have the right people on the job. Our team at Miami-Dade Fire Rescue has dealt with collapse situations before. Their dogs are trained. They have been on the scene since they got the call at 1.38 this morning, and they are doing a fantastic job. They were able to rescue uh, so many from the buildings, the intact building, the collapsed building. So we are very, very hopeful. We'll continue the search and rescue operation. Uh, we've also evacuated the two side buildings and we're working with uh, Red Cross, with our own social service agency, our police and fire departments to make sure that those people are properly situated. Uh, the leadership here of the city mayor has been phenomenal. He's been on the scene since early this morning, as well as neighboring mayors. They've all come to help with their police departments, with their own, uh, their own moral support and, and presence. Also, this is a predominantly uh, Jewish community and we've had the rabbis and chaplains on hand. People are getting the support that they need. Not only are they getting hotel rooms, they're getting help with their medicines, uh, with, with blankets, with clothing, uh, because of course there they are with, with nothing. They were evacuated in the night. And the mayor of Sunrise, Charles Burkett, says he is grateful for all the assistance from the county and the state. Little Surfside has experienced a catastrophe with respect to this building. Uh, I woke up this morning, this morning at 2 o'clock and came out to the property, and it was something like I could never believe could happen. It was a complete collapse of the building. I thought maybe a balcony had gone down, but we've got 134 units in that building, I understand, and literally half of that building is not there anymore. So we're working hard. The, uh, there's not a lot that Little Surfside can do except ring the alarm bell. And we rang the alarm bell and Mayor Cava sent the cavalry, as did the governor. And that has made all the difference in the world. They've got resources like you can't believe here. We've got the dogs, we've got the equipment, and we're gonna do our very best to save as many people in that pile of rubble as we possibly can. So thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Governor. It will take some time to figure out why those condos collapsed. Mayor Burkett says the roof was being worked on recently, but he does not think that caused the building to fail.
The governor's pulling the plug on federal unemployment benefits tomorrow. The American Rescue Plan includes $300 a week payments for persons who lost their jobs during the pandemic, and those payments will continue through September. However, Florida is dropping out of the program 10 weeks early because the governor believes those federal benefits are encouraging people to stay home and live on the dole. Rich Templin at the Florida AFL-CIO says that is political nonsense that will cost the state hundreds of millions of dollars and force more people into poverty and homelessness. The idea has been uh, stated uh, repeatedly that uh, the state of Florida is in a hiring crisis and then that hiring crisis is being driven by um, extensive, overly generous unemployment insurance payments. So essentially people are staying home rather than going to work uh, because they've got it so good on unemployment. First, we have to remind everyone, most workers who found themselves without a job during the tumultuous past 14 months never received a dime in state benefits, period. They got nothing from the state of Florida. That is because of eligibility uh, rules and other uh, technical problems that were put in place 10 years ago. Uh, when uh, Governor Rick Scott signed legislation uh, kind of gutting the unemployment insurance program back in 2011. Now, second, those Floridians who did qualify for any benefits at all, only a fraction received our paltry weekly benefit, maximum weekly benefit amount of 275. And for those that got any benefits at all, those benefits have long since run out. So what we're really talking about here is $300 per week. That's it. That is less than the minimum wage. So we are being told that we have a hiring crisis because people would rather stay home earning less than the minimum wage. And that is just not true. That is not keeping people out of the job market. Now, the business community has said that there are 460,000 jobs available. But the U.S. Department of Labor data shows that there are only about 150,000 workers in Florida eligible for any unemployment benefits. So even if all of those workers were to go back to work tomorrow, we would still see a deficit of 310,000 jobs. Now, a news, uh, Century Foundation study estimates that the total loss in benefits in Florida is about $420 million. Now, in general, each dollar paid out in benefits generates between $1.61 and $1.67 at local cash registers. The loss of these benefits then represents a loss of between 700 and 800 million dollars in economic stimulus as we struggle to rebuild our overall economy. These are federal funds. It costs the state nothing. Yet the governor seems to be willing to leave those dollars on the table in service of a disproven talking point. Now, this is also unfair to taxpayers. These dollars were paid in federal taxes by Floridians. And now when we have a chance to draw money back down and put those dollars to good use and help our economy and help our fellow Floridians, we refuse. And those funds simply go to other states. Paul Cox with the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees says the governor's decision to eliminate federal benefits is a slap at the members of his union because most of them were furloughed, which is not the same as unemployed. Workers are still furloughed. That means they're still employed. They just have zero hours. They're not drawing an income. The workers that I represent are highly skilled. They're very specialized. A lot of them have bachelors. Some of them have master's degrees in their industries. These are camera guys and lighting grips and all of these really, really specialized crafts. These are not people that just go out and change jobs. 
right? They can't just stop. A lot of these workers, employers won't touch them because they know they're furloughed. They know they're going to go back to their better paying, higher paid jobs when those jobs come back. So they can't go get a job at McDonald's. They're not a part of this job market that the governor DeSantis thinks it magically exists for them. That's going to happen in a few days. It's going to be left without that, that meager support, that below minimum wage support. that's not even paid for by the state and it's going to get ripped out from under them. They're going to lose their mortgages. They're going to lose their cars. They're going to lose everything, everything they spent their entire life working for and the development of the specialized craft that by the way, is a large part of the Florida economy. And those workers are going to be hurt and the state of Florida is going to be hurt because those workers are going to have nowhere else to do except move out of the state. And if we think there's a labor shortage today, what happens when these workers move to some place like California or New York, where those supports still exist for those workers? This is not these workers' fault. It's not anybody who's on furlough's fault. They're furloughed, but they're now being punished by what is a cruel and purely political motivated thing for cheap points. And that's sick and sad. For Aaron Davison, who used to work at Universal, the governor's decision means he and his elderly parents will probably have to live in a car, which could be the last straw for his disabled mother. Those federal jobless benefits kept them going for the past year and put a roof over their heads, even if it was just a motel. It has been our sanctuary. It has been our comfort. We had hoped it will transition us into a house or an apartment. The biggest fear is for us to to be put back into the car. Uh, That would be the inevitable. Uh, And ultimately, uh, it would have everlasting effects as it has here on my mother, which would lead to fatal. It's very critical. The state's largest labor union delivered a petition with more than 7,000 signatures asking Governor DeSantis to keep those federal benefits going until the program ends in September. That is not going to happen. He has, however, signed bills to revamp the state's workforce development efforts, including a money-back guarantee for vocational education students who can't find work in their chosen field after they graduate. The bills we're signing today really doubles down on Florida's commitment to vocational education, uh, providing people with skills that can then be applied uh, in the real world and that will be able to provide people with good careers. Um, there's, uh, there's been a view for when I was growing up, it was like you got to go to a, a normal four-year college and you got to get a bachelor's degree and if you don't do that, you're not going to be successful. Uh, that was not true. Uh, I think it was well-intentioned, uh, but I think it's caused a lot of people to go really deep into debt And so you go deep into debt. Now, fortunately, our universities in Florida are very affordable. But you you look around at some of these private universities, particularly places in other parts of the country, and you have some of these students that are saddled with tens of thousands of dollars in debt, sometimes a hundred plus thousand dollars. And then they have a degree in like zombie studies or something. (laughs) And then they get out and it's like, okay, you end up working in a job that you didn't even need to go to college for. And so uh, we're proud of our university system. Obviously, that's an important track for many people. Uh, but I think what we've tried to emphasize since I became governor is you know, pursuing vocational education, pursuing career education, technical education, pursuing a career in the skilled trades is admirable. It's something that could uh, lead you to a very productive career. 
I mean, you see some of these industries, the way they're hiring folks that have some of these skills, uh, you're, these, the kids get hired out of high school. Or they'll go and they'll do a, um, uh, some, some vocational education. They don't go deep into debt, and they're making pretty darn good money, and they're not, and, and then they have a pathway to go forward, and a lot of people can start their own businesses with all this. So we really believe across the board uh, making sure that the education opportunities are really diverse. And it's not just trying to shoehorn everybody to go to a traditional four-year brick and ivy university. Um, you know, we really believe that if we're going to be funding uh, our educational institutions, particularly our state colleges, uh, that there needs to be uh, success on the back end of that. So under this bill, one of the bills I'm going to sign, you know, all these colleges pick three areas for these credentials and students go into that program. If they graduate and they don't have job offerings, the student gets the money back. Uh, so we're really making sure that there's accountability and that all these programs are driven towards helping students succeed in the real world. House Speaker Chris Sprowls says the basic idea here is to consolidate the entire workforce training process into a seamless system that leads you to a job with decent pay. There is nothing like it in the nation. There is no state in America who has tried to reimagine their workforce system to this scale than what is going to happen here today. People ask, like, well, why, why workforce, right? How did we get here? And if you guys remember, particularly the press who's here today, just, just a couple of years ago, right here in Tampa Bay where we stand, there was a scandal with our workforce system, with our, with our career source board, where they were taking credits for jobs that they never helped people get, that they were more concerned with national awards that they didn't earn or, or dollars and bonuses that they didn't earn than they were about actually helping someone who came through the door or made a phone call because they needed a job because they wanted to provide for their family. And that, that became an investigation of Florida House that then Speaker Corcoran helped us initiate and has continued through this day. But what we found when we threw open all the couch cushions was that we have this disconnected, disjointed workforce system where people are doing little parts of things, but they're not doing it together. It would be like a, a symphony and they're all playing off of the, a different sheet of music. And you just have this cacophony of just ugly sound. And under this bill, we put everything together. And now you have a melody of economic mobility, where we say the Department of Education and the Department of Economic Opportunity and DCF, they're all going to work together. And regardless of that person who's looking for that job or for that ec economic mobility, if they're sitting on their couch and they get online, it doesn't matter which door they pick to go through. They're going to end up at one place. There is no wrong door anymore. We've gotten rid of it. Because we want you to get to the same place so that you can find out what is the right job for you. You should have a career counseling element. You should be able to say, what are the hot jobs in, in my zip code that, that I'm qualified for? And, and if I'm not qualified, is there a local credential that I can go here to HCC or to St. Pete College to get that? How do I get that? Is there an opportunity to get a discount? What are the ones, as the governor said, that you're willing to, you're willing, so you're so confident that I'm going to get a job that you're willing to give me a money back guarantee? Think about that. Find me another state in the nation that is doing what we are doing, that is, that is taking that and saying we are going to put our money where our mouth is. Government doesn't do that. Private enterprise does, but government doesn't. But we are so confident with our folks who are running our state college system, and we are so confident with the demand on Floridians for jobs that this is going to change their lives forever, forever. One final note on this story regarding the governor's remark about students graduating with a major in zombie studies. That's not a thing. 
An online search will show you there are colleges offering classes in zombies, but not majors. I did, however, find an intriguing article about the best college majors that prepare you to survive an actual zombie apocalypse. Their number one recommendation is a degree in agricultural sciences. In other words, learn to grow your own food. That was followed by animal husbandry, applied sciences, architecture, biology, botany, and, of all things, business administration. Guess who's coming back to the Sunshine State for the 4th of July holiday? Donald Trump is scheduled to appear at 8 p.m. on July 3rd at the Sarasota Fairgrounds. An email from his Save America PAC says the rally is being co-sponsored by the Republican Party of Florida and will showcase support of the MAGA agenda and the accomplishments of his administration. There will also be fireworks. And it's time now for your calendar of events. The Board of Nursing meets by conference call at 9. The Board of Acupuncture meets at 9 in Altamont Springs. The Public Service Commission holds another online customer hearing at 10 about a rate increase for Florida Power and Light. The Alzheimer's Disease Advisory Committee meets online at 10. Holly Bell, the Cannabis Director at the Department of Agriculture, will hold a telephone town hall at 3 to discuss hemp-related issues. The Florida Federation of Young Republicans is holding its annual convention in Orange County Saturday in Orlando. And a visitation and funeral service will be held Saturday at 9 in Fort Pierce for former Florida Supreme Court Chief Justice James Alderman, who died earlier this month at the age of 84. Finally today, a Florida woman is facing felony charges after a road rage incident in Fort Myers. 21-year-old Lexus Turpin got into a dispute with another driver when they tried to merge into the same lane. Police say Turpin got out of her car, pointed a gun at the victim, and yelled, I'll kill you, bitch, and later, I'll shoot you, ho. When Florida woman drove away, the other car followed to try to get a picture of her tag, and that led to another confrontation where Turpin kicked the other car's door and threatened the driver with a gun again. She's been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and criminal mischief. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. We're taking a break next week because Florida politics is expanding and retooling for the next iteration of our news operation. But Sunrise returns with all new episodes after the 4th of July holiday. We'll see you then.